Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. When we follow in obedience to the Word of God, the psalmist at times will use the term God's law. We find that when we're obedient, we find that the Word of God, the law of God, is a shield, and it shields us from really many unpleasant things in life. Well, like what? Well, including the words and the actions of the wicked. And, of course, we can correlate that, really, a lot of us to our jobs. Okay, well, well, you know, some of my job is toxic. i got a toxic environment or so forth. But we see that the Word of God does shield us from that. It also shields us, if you will, from insecurity of the future. And when I say that, you got to remember that when we talk about insecurity of the future, you got to think about we, there's a lot of us that we will get in certain circles and we'll start talking. We don't know what the world's going to bring next week. We don't know what's going to happen. This is happening. This is happening. And it's moving rather fast. I used to stop and think, wow, I can't wait. What, what does five years look like from now? Or what, what, you know, or this? And now we're less like, I don't even know if, if I remember registering my wife's car in July and thinking, I got the sticker and it said 723. I was like, are we going to be here in 23? You know, as I, and that, that's the truth. I kept thinking, because we don't know. And we seem to be moving fast, but the word of God is going to bring, is going to bring security or it's going to shield us from insecurity of the future. But it also, it also, um, shields us from the plans of the wicked, from the plans of the wicked. And that's what the psalmist is going to talk about. As we come to the first stanza, we discover that the Word of God is a hiding place as well as a shield for protection. Now, the very first stanza comes out. I just want to draw your attention. He talks about a hiding place. He talks about a shield. And I realized that those were for protection, for protection. And if you're taking notes, in Psalm 32, verse 7, it says this. The psalmist says, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Your hiding place. Think about this for a moment. When Cordelia, my eight-year-old granddaughter, when she was little, when she was about three or four years old, she loved making a tent in the living room. She just loved making a tent. Her yama would give her a blanket and she would take this blanket and she would drop it over and drape it, if you will, over the coffee table. And she'd probably take two of them and she'd have this inside and she would crawl underneath. And what she was saying to us in a lot of ways, if she was safe and secure and all this for this, all, all this four year old could ever, ever want, she was safe. You go, how so? Well, if you think about it, she had a pillow in there. That's all she needed. She had another blanket in there. She had her stuffed animals. I know she would take those in there, and often she would take snacks. And you go, Ben, what's what's the point? Well, think about this. Our little four-year-old granddaughter grabbing two blankets, draping over a coffee table, crawling underneath, she really felt secure. It was safe. And to her, this was her hiding place, safe from the world. Though any one of us could have easily discovered her all by lifting up the blanket, by lifting up the cover, she, listen to me, never once gave it a second thought. She was secure. 
God was the psalmist's hiding place. Let me say that again. For you and I, in 2022, God should be our hiding place. Safe from the world. Safe from the world. Someone whom we could run for protection when our enemies are fast upon us. We should run to the word of God. Sometimes in the world, though, like the psalmist will say, is there's a time when we have to stand and fight. There are times when it's like, God, you're my hiding place. I need to hide. I need to, I need to feel safe and secure. And there's times. And so handy was the shield. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote for us in Ephesians 6.16, jot this down. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. When Paul writing and putting this on, he said, make sure you put on the whole armor of God, especially here in Ephesians 6, and he begins to conclude the passage by repeating the concepts, praying always, watching, he says in verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith. But you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. So we know what a sh- we know what a shield does. We know what a hiding place does. And so, when we come to the first stanza, you're going to see and feel protection. Now, if you're taking notes, there are three stanzas, though. There's several of them, but but we're going to only look at three. And I want you to jot this down. The first one is we see that the God's word is a shield. Not only is it a hiding place, but it's a shield. And you want to write that down because, because you want to write next to it protection. Protection. I want to feel protected. The second point is God's word is salvation. And you could, you could actually write this next. Safety in the storm. Safety in the storm. And three, God's word is direction. And I love this because it's guidance in most life at difficult times. But we need to understand that not only is it guidance in difficult times, it's also guidance in normal times. God, what do you want me to do? Where should I go? How should I do this? You know what I find the problem is, is when we ask God for direction and guidance, is that we're impatient. We want to hurry. God, will you just tell me? How can, and, and, and oftentimes in my life, when I'm waiting for the Lord to answer, I get impatient, and so what do I do? I move forward very quickly. And I find myself and going, ah, oh, is God in this? And I've had to learn to come back and let the word of God give us direction. Now, hiding place? Shield, wonderful. We're going to see salvation from our enemies. And then we're going to see him guide us. These are the stanzas that we're going to talk about. But I want to remind you, as a whole, Psalm 119 is divided into 22 parts, 22 stanzas, if you will. They're denoted by the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So every week we look at each letter each letter. And it looks like we have five left, three next week and possibly two the following. But they're gonna, each stanza contains eight verses, and the first letter of each verse is which gives the name to the stanza as we go through. But as a whole, the psalm encompasses the meditation and obedience to the Word of God. And that's what's key. That's what's key. As I've been studying 
every weekend, well, every Wednesday, and looking at the psalmist and how he writes to the Word of God, I've got to tell you, it's been convicting. It's been convicting to me because I, I have studied the Word of God for many, many, many years, and I know that it has power. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's, it's protection. It's guidance. It's, and the psalmist says, it's the Word of God. I'm going to obey it. And so each week I've been convicted as I look through every single one of these letters and what he's talking about. So, the first stanza we're looking at this evening is, and it's the Hebrew leader, it's Samek, S-A-M-E-K. And you can write next to that single-mindedness, okay? Single-mindedness, and that's key. Why? Because it's not compromise. The psalmist, as he writes this letter, this stanza, he's, he, he stands in contrast, if you will, to those who are undecided, even to the wicked, the evildoers, the wanderers. It also contrasts the psalmist's love for God's direction with his hatred of divided or even those that are double-minded. If you have a pencil handy, jot this down. It's James chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. It says, For let no man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, and that man is unstable in all his ways. You go, what do you mean? Well, in other words, what James is telling us is that when you ask him, be sure that his faith is in God alone. He says, do not waver. For a person who is divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave in the sea blown tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're in unstable in everything they do. That's what James writes us. Well, the psalmist is going to write the same thing. Look at verse 113 as we jump into Psalm 119. He says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. The psalmist starts off with this, and, and I find it interesting because there's something going on in his heart where he writes, I hate the double-minded. And you go, okay, man, I'm not sure. Let's, let's break it down. Well, if you look at the word hate and you click on it a little bit, it actually comes out enemy or foe. So he's stopping and he's going, okay, now, now listen, here's what I want you to say. There's an enemy or a foe, someone that's against me. This is what I hate. And it's not the hatred that you and I, oh, I hate him. He's really just upset. And you go, why? Why is he talking about this? He says, well, first and foremost, the focus is on his enemies. And he's going to remind us why he hates them. He goes, I hate him because they're double-minded. They're double-minded. And I said, wow, why are you so upset about about the double-minded? And he's, why? Because if, if you look at double-minded, it's a very interesting word. What's the word? It means divided or skeptic. That's what he's saying. He's saying, man, I, I, I'm, I'm just, a, I abhor those that are, that are double-minded, that are, that are the skeptic. You see, skeptic here is basically an attitude of doubt. It's an attitude of doubt. That's that's a skeptical notion. It's an attitude of doubt. And what he's saying, he says, there's a bunch of people out there who have this attitude of doubt when it comes to the Word of God. And I love the Word. I love the Word. I love the certainty of the Word. 
And right now, right about then, you start kind of feeling his conviction because, because there have been times in our lives where we have doubted the word of God. The power of the word of God. We've listened to those skeptics and we've listened to those doubters that have told us, well, man wrote the Bible and, and, and we know it's different. We know it's, it tells us that it's God breathed from Genesis to Revelation. Well, the different translations. Well, a translation is just from, from a Hebrew to a Latin to whatever it might be, but it's still the word of God. And, and again, he's saying, ah. Oh. And if we were to fast forward to our day and age, many people were double-minded and the psalmist writes, not me, not me. I love your law. What's he doing? Well, he's contrasting the skeptical view versus a love for the word of God. Listen to this. Um, James Montgomery Boyce wrote this, and I quote, Double-minded people are people who know about God, but are not full uh, or not determined to worship and serve him only. They are those who want both God and the world. They want the benefits of true religion, but they want their sin too, end quote. That's what James says is a double-minded man. So, many people today find fault in God's word. You see, they waver to and fro. And it got me thinking about lives and life situations and how we have to be going to and, 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 and exhorting each other with the word of God. Do we believe that the word of God is the answer to all of life's questions and all of life's problems? Do we believe that? You see, the psalmist is saying, I do. I love God's word. And what he's saying and and what we need to apply is, do we? Do we? And you might be asking the question this evening, well, why should I love God's word? Well, the answer is found in 114. Notice what he says. He says, here's why. Here's why I love God's word. Here's what it makes me so upset about the double-minded, the skeptic, the doubter. Here's why. He says, because you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Did you see that? This is what he's saying. The word of God is our hiding place and our shield. And we see protection in two different ways. You go, how so? Well, first of all, in the word of God, we're hidden from all the evil things. We're hidden. It's that place. It's that shelter. It's where I feel safe. Oh, I understand the big, bad, awful men are right outside those doors. I get that. I get that you and I are on defense every time we walk out there. We're looking at people, making sure something doesn't happen. We're, we're always on the defense around. But the word of God really is our hiding place. It's where we can find home. You go, Ben, what do you mean? It was several years and we were living in Rio Rancho and I had a job at a remodeling company. And I'll never forget this one awful Friday. 
I was in my office. We were about to go home. It was about 4 o'clock. And all of a sudden, I hear, I mean, I hear the most gut-wrenchingly, I mean, I, I hear this pow-pow and this ah, and like just everything. And, and, and I, I sat there, and I was just like, what, ha- what just happened? And what I thought happened is they were remodeling the kitchen, and I thought somebody got shot with the, with the nail gun. And it was just, ah, you know, just kind of thing. But to my surprise, in a domestic violence uh, case, a young lady came running into our showroom and got shot by her estranged boyfriend. And as people walked out the door... He turns around in, 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 in just this fitted rage and, and, and on drugs and everything. He turned around and, and he shot a couple more people. There I am watching this young lady die. And I'll never forget that awful Friday at my job. Obviously, within minutes, the police were there. We were, we were detained there. I was shaken up. I watched both our, our vice president of the company and the young lady we didn't know. It all happened so fast, I remember thinking, I'm going to walk out the back door. That's probably safe. I walk out the back door, and the actual shooter was walking this way. I mean, it was, it was, it was really close. And you go, man, what was the problem? Well, the, that wasn't the problem. The problem was is that it affects us in just crazy ways. But, but what I had to do is I had to... I have to absorb myself in the Word of God. And I remember going home and I just remember just reading God's Word. Just reading God's Word. And a lot of my coworkers ended up quitting because of that situation. A lot of my coworkers ended up, um, you know, needing, needing, uh, you know, just therapy and stuff like that. But what I found is that was my hiding place was in the Word of God. And the Bible tells me in Romans, do, you know, um, uh, tr- to transform your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so how did I renew my mind? I kept reading his word and I kept praying and I kept reading his word and I kept praying. And for a while after that, although I found my hiding place in the word of God, I remember going into grocery stores and always being on the lookout, very defensive. Anytime I heard a big loud noise, it was it was a trigger. Whoa. You know, I was looking, and especially if I had my daughters with me, and it that was that way for a long time. And I don't know how you men are, but even in restaurants, I have to sit and face the door just because of all of this that happened. I just that's just me. I don't like my back turned. I can't I can't be defensive that way. But I know the word of God is going to what church? Listen, it's going to hide us from those evil things. But sometimes we're not able to hide from evil things. And therefore, he says, well, therefore, you are my shield. The word of God is my shield, which means we're protected in battle. We're in battle. And I love what he says. He says, here's the reason I love God's word. Here's the reason that I crawl up in the lap of the Lord. He says, because because it's my hiding place. It's my hiding place. And it's my shield. So many people are running in different directions trying to find a place to hide from this world. And the word of God 
for the Christians should be the place where we where we nestle in and say this is and then, and and here's why notice what I love that at the end of the verse 14 it says and I hope in your word I hope in your word our hope is in God and in his word now here's an interesting thought you go what's that when we're in the middle of a storm ever been there ever been in the midst of a storm um whether it's emotional or even a physical storm, we've all been in physical storms probably where we're not sure if we're going to make it. I wonder, do we find ourselves hiding in God's Word in whatever storm it might be? I was thinking about this and I was asking that thought, okay, so in the middle of a storm, do we hide in God's Word? We have been through several storms, several storms in our life, whether it was a prodigal daughter that ran off, whether the doctor said, oh, sorry, sir, your wife has cancer, or Mr. Martinez, your dad's not going to make it through the night. We have been through several storms. You guys have been through several storms. You might be even going through a storm right now. Do we find ourselves hiding in the Word of God. Because I think, I think a great story of this is, is I think of disciples. Do you guys remember the disciples? They were, they were in a boat, and although they knew the sea, they knew the water, they were experts, the storm rose up, and you guys know that can happen. In the Sea of Galilee, it could, it could go from being calm to a storm in a matter of minutes. And they're in the major storm. It starts raining. There's cloud. There's wind. The waves are high. The boat's going crazy. And where's my Jesus? He's asleep. He's asleep. And the disciples were filled with fear and uncertainty. And even even though the water was wasn't a new territory for them, they went and hurried to wake Jesus up. And with one word, do you remember? Jesus calmed the storm. And he turned to the disciples and he asks, Why are you afraid? And did not Jesus have everything under control? And see, that's what, that's what, again, that's the same point I want to make. And that's the same point the psalmist makes. We can't focus where the storms come from, church, but we can trust in Jesus as we face them. The disciples, think about it, they were terrified. And yet Jesus was asleep in the boat. When they woke him, he wasn't worried because the storm was in his control. One word and everything stopped. But here's the point. We're not guaranteed that God will stop our storm. But we are guaranteed that God is in complete control of them. Now, let me say this to you, okay? It's easy for me to say, it's easy for me to say, well, you know what, we were in a storm several years ago. They told me that my wife had cancer, but now on this side of it, you know, where God's healed her, amen, we went through the storm. What if it turned out different? What if it turned out different? What if the cancer was super aggressive and I I lost my wife? Could I still say, I found shelter in the word of God? Could I say, he was still my hiding place? You see, 
It's not circumstantial. Oh, well, it's only in the hiding place if everything turns out great because there are many people who it didn't turn out great for them. You see, John the Baptist was in the middle of a storm. John the Baptist, he was, he was the front runner of Jesus. Hey, look, he's the Lamb of God. Are you kidding me? That's him. This is so cool. Wait, you want to kill me? And he told his disciples, go tell Jesus. Go tell him. Go tell him where I'm at. Tell him what's going on. Tell him to get me out of here. And Jesus sent his disciples back and he said, and uh, it didn't end well for John the Baptist, did it? See, that storm ended up taking his life. But there was still, listen, there was still hope. There was still hiding place. There was still security in the midst of a storm. You see, Nathalie said this the other day, um, our hope has a name and his name is Jesus, yeah, yeah. You see, as we move forward in, in the, the second part of 2022, wondering what 2023 is going to bring, can I encourage you to find and stay close to Jesus? Don't waver. Don't run. It has to be the Lord. This is what the psalmist is trying to get it. You are my hiding place. You're my shield, God. This is it. I, I hope in your word. I hope in your word. But let me say this too. In the storms that we faced, and maybe you can relate, in the storms that we faced, we found ourselves hiding in God's word. But can I say this? It was much more than a verse. Hey, I've got a verse. Hey, i got a verse for you. Sometimes in the midst of the storm, we don't want a verse. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. And so it's much more than, hey, I've got a verse for you, bro. Hey, here's a verse. Sometimes we go, I don't want a verse. I want to be emerged in the word of God. I want to know that that's my hiding place. I want to feel like my granddaughter when the blankets come over and I'm going, okay, I got my pillow, I got my stuffed animals, I feel good, I'm, I'm safe and secure. Because I know that I'm going to have to get out one day and I'm going to have to use my shield. But my hope is always back in the Word of God. Always back in the Word of God. Well, back in our text, let's go on. It says the wicked are double-minded, and now we're going to learn that they're not only um, double-minded, but they're also evildoers. Look at verse 15, 115. He says, depart from me, you evildoers. Depart from me, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Now, here's what I want you to write next to this. This is so cool. He's actually, this is decisive separation. He's actually saying... And what I love about this, and it's something that I think we need to grasp, is the psalmist here is not flirting with ungodly people. He's not dancing with the world. He's saying, no, depart from me. He's not hoping to be popular with both the world and the Christians. Oh, let me just do a dance here. One over here, world, okay, Christian, world. He says, no, 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 he's made a decisive decision that he's not going to hang around wicked people. He's not going to hang around those that want to pull me down. He's not going to hang around those. There's, there's a lot of toxic people that we pray Jesus would heal. But there are times when we go, I can't, 
I can't. And this verse reminds me, and you can jot this down, it's that old saying, show me who your friends are, and I'll show you who you are. That's what he's saying. Show me who your friends are. You want to know what you're like? Look at your friends. Look at your friends. I think about Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Why? Many in that day is going to say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Again, these are evildoers. But for me, the psalmist says, I'm going to keep the commandments of God. I'm going to keep the commandments of God. Notice what he says, and I guess I didn't highlight this. I'm not sure if Josh has this, but he says, Uphold me according to your word that I may live. And do not let me be ashamed in my hope. Hold me up, and I shall be safe, and I shall observe your statues continually. This is what the psalmist is saying. Hold me up. Now, here's what I want you to write next to verse 116 and 17. I want you to notice that this is the prayer the psalmist used. The psalmist is praying right here. He's praying to God. He's found, he's found refuge in his word. He's got this shield that's going to protect him. And now he cries out to God in prayer. And he says, Lord, uphold me according to your word so that I may live. You go, Ben, what's he saying? He's saying, he's crying out to God, God, sustain me, uphold me just as you promised so that I can live. I can live. And I love what he says, don't let my hope be crushed. Don't let my hope be crushed. Notice what he says, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. I just found hope in your word. So the question is, why is it there are times that we feel crushed? Why are the times that we feel like my hope is crushed? Is God's word false? Is there not hope in God's word? You know what it is? A lot of times it's my misunderstanding of what God wants to do in my life and through me. And I go, oh, oh. You see, there are many of us in this room that have gone through several things that you go, I'll never want to go through that again, but I am so glad I went through that because I learned so much about God and I grew so much as a believer. But boy, that was hard. That was hard. Y'all are shaking your heads. You, You know exactly what it is. But again, there are times when we're going, God, I don't, and here's our biggest, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. And even today, in 2022, we think about what's going on in the world and we say, God, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't, I don't get it. And you know what he says? He says, I didn't call you to understand. I called you to walk by faith. Stay close to me. Stay close to me. Hold me up, the psalmist says, and I shall be safe. And when I'm safe, listen, and here's what he's saying. He says, Lord, sustain me, hold me up, and then I'm going to be rescued. And when I'm rescued, I'm going to meditate continually on your word, on your statutes, on your decrees. Guys, here's your assignment for this week. Meditate on God's word. You go, well, no, I do. No, 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 no. We read it. Okay, cool. Amen. 
I, I applaud you, yes, but, but meditate in it. Let it be a part of you. Let it, let it just, oh man, I'm just, there's a specific passage. I'm just, medit- I'm just chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it. Can we do that this week? You go, oh, of course, Ben. Well, sometimes that's hard. It's not hard. I'll tell you why. Funny story, right? Soph is up here right before worship and he's like, do, 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 do. He just, he just, and that's stuck in my head. And so I'm walking around, don't stand, but, right? And so I'm like, I'm singing it to Joseph and Joseph say, oh, I know that song. Here's the point. If we can get the word of God stuck in our head, we can meditate on it all the time. We do that with songs. Right? We do that with songs. You ever have that one song stuck in your head? They're just like, oh my gosh. And you go to bed listening to it? <laughs> well, let's do that with the word. How cool would that be if you're going, man, I was just meditating on what God, these verses. I was just meditating on what it means that he's my hope. And I was saying, Lord, how is it that you're my hope? How are you? Here's my prayer. Here's my prayer. Well, he goes on in verse 18, and I know I'm taking more time on this stanza, but he says, you will reject those who stray from your statues, for their deceit is falsehood. You will put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgment. Guys, there's a lot here, but I want you to see. Okay, he says, you reject, if you have a pencil handy, circle that word. The Hebrew word is salah, salah, S-A-L-A-H, and it expresses the idea to treat as worthless. He says, you treat them as worthless. Who are we treating? All those who stray from your statutes, okay, all those that are walking away. Why? For their deceit. You know what that word means? It's termith. Tarmouth, and it refers to deceit or betrayal. And so he's going, listen, there's a bunch of people who are walking away from the word of God, walking away from Christianity. They're walking away. And he said, they're, they're betray. They're betraying us. Their deceit is a falsehood. He says, you put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Guys, if you have a pencil handy and you want to circle that, that's a very interesting word because when you really look it up, here's what he's saying. It's the dross is literally scum. That's the scum. And, and what he's talking about is not so much, well, that's the scum of the earth, but what it is is when, when a, when a, a, a metalsmith of gold or silver comes up and, and he wants to get the pure gold. You guys know what he does, right? He turns up the heat and all the dross comes to the top. And then he scrapes it off and he throws it away because it's worthless. And then he turns up the heat again and all the dross comes to the top. And he keeps doing that until there's no more dross. This is what he's saying. He's saying that's pure gold. And but he's saying to us, he says, you put away all the wicked of the earth. Here's what he's saying. He says sometimes he's going to turn up the heat in the world and all the people who should be rooted and and have a foundation in God's word. They're coming up to the top and going, no, 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 I'm doubting God's word. I'm just a skeptical. I'm a double-minded. It doesn't really work for me. Maybe it works for you, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. God says he's going to do that. He's going to take them. He's going to do that. Okay. 
Again, the psalmist is saying to the evil, to the wicked, he says, you put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. And I find that interesting too, and I'll tell you why I find it interesting. Because, because even in our day and age, we, we, we have people, and I know a lot of people right now who are so upset with what's going on in the world and the different political forums and the different things that are going on, and they're upset. But here's what God says. He said he's going to take care of that. He's going to take care of all of that. I don't know how, but eventually. And he says, therefore, he says, I love your testimonies. Guys, look at that word. Very interesting word. Why? Because here's what he's saying. He says, I love, and the word love is, that is an affection of a friend. Like if you, if you have a friend that you really love, it's that affectionate friend. That's the word. And he says, I love. I have this great affection like I do my BFF. What is that? I love your testimonies. What are testimonies? Well, basically it's ada, and it means witnesses. It means testimonies. And I get the picture that the psalmist is saying, here's the thing, man, I love, I love to see what God is doing in your life. I love to see you talk about God. I'd love to see how He's moving in your life. Man, it's this, it just, that's just affection to me. Why? Because we need that. We need that. Later, early on, the psalmist says that, that guys, we're, we're coming in, in our trials and our tribulations. We're digging pools. And then we go on and people who come behind us are going, Oh, somebody was already here. They dug a fresh pool. This is good. I'm refreshed. You see, the things that you go through in your life is a pool so that when somebody comes behind you, they can, you can minister to them and they can be refreshed. But when we have a selfish attitude, we go, oh, no, 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 it's all about me. I can't believe I'm going through this. I don't understand why am I going through this. It's because, listen, you're called to minister to other people and as they come through, I love hearing about that. I love as we can encourage people. Hey, how are you? Oh man, you were going through a storm. I was going through. Tell me what happened. Watch what God did. Are you kidding me? Wow. And oftentimes when you're encouraged by other people in the body, you step back and you go, Lord, what I'm going through is not, that's nothing. Thank you, Jesus. And here I was all tripping out. I had a bad day because don't let the enemy get to you. Don't let the enemy get to you. But notice again, notice again. He says something very interesting, verse 20, 120. My flesh trembles for fear of you. And I am afraid of your judgments. You go, what's he saying? Here's what he's really talking about. The psalmist is not afraid for himself. The word judgment translates the judgments are on the wicked. You go, Ben, what's he saying? He's saying, listen, I, I'm not worried about me. I'm, I'm hidden in God's word. I'm really, I'm really tripping about, about those that don't know you and what they're going to experience. You see, church, the Christian... The Christian should be others-oriented, thinking and ministering and saying how we can bless others. You have been blessed. You've been brought into the family. And, and again, 
We want to bring others to the family. But when we think about those that have rejected Jesus, wow. He says, he says, he says, my flesh trembles in fear of you. God, Lord, you are a holy and, and powerful God. And I'm afraid of your judgments towards them. That's the first stanza. The next stanza or Hebrew letter is Yein. Yein. Yein develops the theme of loyalty. And it also develops the plea of God to validate his direction. It's a plan, think about this, for perilous times. Here's what I wrote. The Lord's servant sees that notwithstanding his determination to be a light in the world, Oppressive and arrogant people are becoming dominant, and how much longer can he hold out? And I thought, isn't that what we're living like today? Isn't that exactly? I said, man, we're wondering how much more can we do? How much more? How, how long can we hold out? And of course, the theme is salvation, but not when you think of salvation, it's not a spiritual like I'm saved going to heaven, but one salvation from the oppression of your enemies. And if you're taking notes, we discover that the God is the God of salvation when we oppose pride, you go, okay, when we seek salvation, and when we pray for God to act, and lastly, when we love God's commandments. These are all found in the next, the next eight verses. When we oppose pride, when we seek salvation, when we pray for God to act, and so let's jump in there. Maybe we'll get through with this one. It says in verse 121, I have done justice and righteous. Do not leave me to my oppressors. This is how he starts off. This is Aim. Now, again, think right here. Okay, quick thought. Right here, the psalmist cries out, Don't leave me, Lord, to the mercies of my enemies. He says, I have done what is just and right. This is what he's saying. Now, you're going, okay, cool. Um, so you might be thinking right now, you might be saying, how can the psalmist pray this? How can he pray this? How can he, how can he come and say, I've done justice and righteousness, don't leave me to my oppressors? Well, if you're taking note, let me give you three reasons why he can say this, and I think they tie in with us. You ready? Jot this down. Number one, he can say this because it's on the grounds of his integrity. It's on the grounds of his integrity. Integrity is wholeness. It's honest. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're walking in integrity as a believer. You see, Christian means Christ like Christ I A N you're Christ like and on that that's how we should behave we're Christ like would Christ do this no I don't think Christ would well then I'm not going to do this why well, I love his word I love his word the second thing is he can pray this on the on his desire for God's word not only on the grounds of his integrity but that his desire for God's word and then here's the third one that I love and I think it ties in his covenant relation to God our covenant relation to God is found in Jesus. And we can pray these things. We can pray exactly what he says. And all of these things apply to our lives. Now think about it. The psalmist comes and he says, here's my prayer. I have done justice and righteous. In other words, he says, I have done what is just and right. How can I say that? It's based on your integrity, church. It's based on your integrity. It's based on your desire for God's word and your covenant relationship to him. And he says, Lord, be surety for your servant, or be surety 
for your servant for good. Do not let the proud oppress me. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, stand for me against my oppressors. Don't let the arrogant oppress me. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see verse 122. Why? I want you to underline it, highlight it. You go, why? What, what, what do you see here, Pastor? Just a quick note. Verse 122 is the only one of two verses that doesn't talk about God's word in any way. Before he's like, I love your statutes. I love your judgments. I love your law. Lord, my enemies are being a booger. I love you, Jesus. I love your word. He says that throughout all of these. We're up to 122 verses. And out of 122, 121, he's talking about God's word, how much he loves the statutes, the laws, the precepts. You guys with me? Except right here, this is one of two. And here's what jumped out at me. I really love the reality of God's word. You go, what do you mean? I love this. Why? Because it shows me that the psalmist is a real person. And he had come to his wit's end. And he says, I've had enough. God, please show up. And it reminds me of all the times that I cry out to the Lord. And yet... The psalmist regains his thoughts and once again reminds us of the power of God's precious word. Ever been there? Ever been there where you're like, God, I've just had enough. I'm tired. Please show up. My enemies are. And then he's like, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go back to God's word. I'm going to go back. Okay. Okay. And I love that. Because you and I, sometimes we, we read the Bible with, with these spiritual filtered, all of them are just so perfect in the Bible, and I'm not even perfect. I'm so far from being perfect. Are you kidding me? And, and these guys are just amazing. That's because they're written in the Bible, and you know what? They're not. They're just guys like us. They're gals like us making the same mistakes, and we can pull that and go, oh, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. And the psalmist goes on in 123 and he says, My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. You know what he's saying? You ready? Jot this down. My eyes strain to see. My eyes are strained. There's a lot of things that we strain our eyes to see. There's a lot of things that we strain our eyes to see. Do we, do our eyes fail from seeking God's salvation and his righteous word? You see, I'm not here to convict us and be like, hey, come on, what's wrong with you? But I would love the fact that you go, man, my eyes hurt. Why? Because I was reading his word. I was, just, I was just spending time with God. Spending time with God. Do you remember the disciples? Do you remember the disciples? The disciples were in a whole lot of trouble, and they couldn't understand how these fishermen, how these whatever it might be, you know, all these guys and how how powerful they were and how they had this amazing presence and all they could come up with is they'd been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. You see, the guys didn't take any special courses. They weren't like, oh, you know what? How to become a disciple in 12 easy steps. They just were with Jesus. And we have the same thing. And, and the psalmist says, man, my, my eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. He says, deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statutes. For I am your servant. Give me understanding that I know your testimonies. Once again, remember, 122, he doesn't talk about the word. 23, 24, and 25, he's all over it again. He's like, listen, my eyes strain from seeing your rescue. 
to see the truth of your promise fulfilled. He says, I am your servant. Deal with me your unfailing love and teach me your decrees. Give discernment to me, your servant, and I will understand your laws. Here's my question. You ready? Here's what I wrote for me. Do our eyes fail from seeking God salvationly so diligently? I think we should be exhorted. There should be exhortation to be in his word. Do our eyes fail? Have you ever read a book? Wasn't the word of God, but you read a book. You got into a book. It was a great book. It was a big, thick book. It was a really neat book. Whatever book it was, but you read it all the time, and it's one o'clock in the morning. You really need to go to bed, but you're reading this book, and you can't put it down. You ever hear that? That's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about, hey, we should be doing that with the word. Well, Ben, it's the word of God. I mean, come on, it's the Bible. Who's going to read the Bible? till? But there's so much in here. This is what he's saying. But let me even take it a step further. Do we seek God's righteous word? Do we seek it? Do we have a family plan that says, hey, whenever there's an issue, we go to the word of God. Let's search the word of God. Let's seek God. Let's see what God says about this. There's always a, there's always, it's always great to go, hey, Pastor Soph, uh, here's a situation. What do you think about this? Hey, Vaughn, what do you think about it? And it's always good to get uh, advice. That's always good. It's always good to, to, but, but to, but our main issue should be I'm seeking God. Well, Ben, here's the thing. The word of God doesn't tell me thou shall marry this person or thou shall buy a house or thou shall, it doesn't say that. It doesn't, I, Lord, um, there's a girl. And I like her. What should I do? Uh, the time is fulfilled. Well, okay, so there it is. And we play Bible roulette, right? We, that's, not, that's not what God tells us to do. What he tells us to do is seek him under the power of the Holy Spirit, and he will begin to bring peace. Well, when should you take the next step when you have peace? You see, the problem is, is that you and I, we have a hard time in God's waiting room, don't we? God says, hey, wait, 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 just wait there. Huh? Well, how long do I have to be here? Well, until I tell you. Just wait, just wait. It's okay. Look at verse 126. He says, Lord, it's time for you to act, O Lord. For they have regarded your law as void. Now, you can write next to this. This is what I wrote. This is a bold statement. This is a bold prayer. He's telling God, okay, let's go. Let's go. And yet I discovered that through Jesus, we can actually play, pray boldly. As a matter of fact, it's Ephesians 3.12 that says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. I don't think God's looking at us with crossed arms going, say it like that again. Say it like that one more time. You know, I mean, he's like, through faith, he's like, okay, we got the boldness to come and go, God, please. Please. You know what bold prayers we should be praying? God, save my loved ones. Save my family. Save my friends. Save my extended family. Lord, please. Save that coworker, Lord. We all have coworkers. We all have friends that have great hearts. Come on, somebody. But they don't know my Jesus. When my, my Jesus and 
Those are the bold prayers we should be praying. Verse 127, Therefore I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, more than fine gold. Therefore all your precepts are concerning all the things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. Notice what the psalmist is saying. Therefore. What's the therefore? He's prayed. Lord, it's time for you to act. He says, I love your commandments more than what? More than anything. More than anything. More than anything. Wow. This one could get us in trouble, could it not? This one could get us in trouble. Lord, I love your commandments more than, well, I've got to make a living. Lord, I love your word, but but listen, we've got little ones that are, and, 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 and we can always put stuff above God's word. This is where we should be. This is where we should be. I love your word, Lord. It's, it's, it's better than anything. Your boss looks at you and says, hey, you're going to work Sundays, you're going to work Wednesdays, you can't go to Bible study, you can't go to women's group. Hey, listen, there's, I'm out. This is my family, this is what i got to do. Because I love your commandments more than gold, yes, more than fine gold. He says, therefore, because I love that, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. All to be right. So he goes on with that same mindset. The next stanza, the Hebrew letters P, it's a P-E. It's a double fulfillment of light. As A-N, exhausted eyes, could only see the darkness, this is now opens the door to the light, the light of the word. And this is kind of where we uh, will end tonight here. Let's, um, let's just meditate a little bit here. We've got, we've got just a few minutes. And uh, before we jump into, because this is, this is a lot. There's a lot there. And so let's just take a moment. Let's take a moment to think. The two stanzas we learned today has given us more information than we can than we can grasp. When we think about stanza number one, let's go back for just a moment as we recap. I want you to think about it for just a second. Notice he says, he says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Let's not focus on the double-minded, but let's focus on the love for God's word. Let's focus. There's a lot of people who have an attitude of doubt. You guys can come, back, come, come on up and we'll just, uh, we'll just do this. There's a there's an attitude of doubt in the world in God's word but but for us may we say tonight God I love I love I love your word I love your word The word of God is our hiding place that there are going to be storms in our lives there are going to be challenges and our hope is in God Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word and your truth and your word. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray.
We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.